Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 7. We're going to read from Revelation chapter 7, starting to read at verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Let's just pray together. Our Father, we just thank you for these few verses we've read in your presence, and as we go through them this evening, we ask your blessing upon us that you might help us to understand these things and speak to us through them. Our Father, we come to you this evening in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Revelation, as you know, we're going through the book of Revelation. Just a, a few things to remind us of where we're up to. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, we read about the first four seals being opened and the agents of the enemy are about to bring suffering on the earth. And then in that same chapter, verse, six, uh, verse 9 through to 11, the souls of those who have suffered ask the question, how long will this go on before the Lord will judge the earth? And they are told the church will continue to suffer for a while longer. Then in verse 12 through to 17, in Revelation 6, they are told that it will happen, there will be judgment. They are told what will happen, but they're not told when it will happen. So we come this evening to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, John is telling us what happened before the four horsemen who we read about in chapter 6, verse 1 through to 8, are allowed to deliver their suffering on the church. So, verse 1 through to 3 of Revelation 7 is telling us what has happened. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. You see, in these verses, John is not telling us what will happen next. He's spoken about judgment. He's not telling us what will happen after the judgment. He is telling us what he saw next. And what he saw next was four angels sent as temporary protectors of the earth to hold back four evil forces from being released to bring their suffering on the earth. A suffering that, when released, would last until Jesus returns. John then sees another angel sent from God to tell the four horsemen who'd been allowed by God to harm the earth not to do anything until God had sealed his servants. 
We know that the church is suffering during God's day of grace. We know the apostles suffered. John himself is suffering. And at the time when he wrote this letter, the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 were also suffering. So at this point, let us hear what Jesus said to his disciples as he spoke to them about these things that would happen. Matthew 24, it's verse 30 through to 31. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So the question for us this evening is, where do we stand in God's overall plan? How do we fit in to God's overall plan? Let's think about this first of all. Adam's sin broke the relationship that he had with God, bringing all mankind under the wrath of God. So God's plan for restoration The relationship could only be restored by sacrifice. Cain and Abel, Job, Abraham and Moses and the nation of Israel all knew this. The sacrifices were in anticipation of and in the power of the final sacrifice that would be made by Jesus. So we see that God's plan, it wasn't changed but it progressed. The promise to Abraham was that he would become the father of a great nation who would be a blessing to the rest of the world. The promise will pass to Isaac, then to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, whose children became the nation of Israel, and through this family line, God will bring his son into the world. Who is God's son? He is Jesus whose sacrifice would be the fulfilment of all the sacrifices that were made to restore the broken relationship between man and God. We know that Satan tried to stop this from happening. He tried to kill the child. We know about Herod. But God protected him. We know that God warned the family and they went to Egypt. Later, Satan tried to deter Jesus by twisting God's words. We know that he failed. And when Jesus died, Satan must have thought that he had achieved his goal. But God raised Jesus from the dead. Satan would now move his efforts in an attempt to discredit the gospel and destroy the church. His efforts would ultimately fail. God will protect his people. Yes, they will suffer. Yes, some will lose their lives, but none will lose their salvation. You see, God has sealed them with his name. Now, under the new covenant, the way is open for the broken relationship to be fully restored by people from all nations 
by them coming to God as guilty sinners directly by way and in the power of that perfect sacrifice that Jesus made. So this is the continuation of God's plan as we see his church growing. You know, when we're forgiven, we are accepted into God's family, thus becoming his children, along with Abraham and all the faithful remnants of the Old Testament believers who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. In a way, Jesus is the new Israel. We became sons of God. How? By adoption. So we, with the faithful remnants of Israel, are part of what can still be called a true nation of Israel. We need to keep these things in mind. But we're going to go forward. So the question, where are we today in God's overall plan? Well, you and I, if we know Jesus as our saviour, we, along with the apostles and the early church, as believers, are part of his church, living in what is God's day of grace. In the words of Paul in Colossians 3 verse 11, whether Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, having the opportunity to be set free from God's wrath by the blood shed by Jesus. You see, as believers, we are set free from the wrath of God. We will not be judged for our sins. This reminded me of the words of the hymn by Charles Wesley. It's titled, How Can It Be? Just a, a verse and a chorus from that hymn for us this evening. We're in the hymn, Charles Wesley says, No condemnation now I dread, Jesus, and all in him is mine, alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne, and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? So today we are in the position that Charles Wesley is in, and he sang about that position he's in in that hymn. He doesn't stand under condemnation. Did the apostles suffer? Well, we've looked at that already. We've said yes, they did. Did the early church suffer? Yes. Is the church suffering today? Well, the truth is, yes, the church is suffering today. So again, we can listen to the words of Jesus when he spoke in John chapter 16, verse 33, and he said these words to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what, what do we need to overcome? What, what is the struggle that, we have, well, Ephesians 6, verse 12. We've looked at this verse before and we'll probably look at it again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, the New Testament writers tell us that through these troubled times, we will come under the protective care of God. 
This is God's providence. God's providence is the protective care that he has for his people. And this is what Jesus prayed about just before his crucifixion. There in the garden he, he prayed. And part of that prayer he prays for his disciples, those who are actually with him. In John 17, verse 11 and 12, he said, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. You see the words there in that prayer, protect them by the power of your name. And then he says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. And in that prayer, Jesus continues and he prays for those who will follow, uh, those who will follow the disciples. That includes you and I. In that same chapter 17 of John, verse 25 and 26. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. They're the words of Jesus' prayer as he prayed for us. So what does Revelation chapter 7 verse 3 mean as it speaks about being sealed? Well, at first says, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Well, it means that when we put our trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus as believers, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us and we are sealed with the seal of God's name on and in our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 3 verse 30 says and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Revelation 3 verse 5 let's go back to that chapter and this is what is said to the believers at the church at Sardis the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. In that same chapter 3 of Revelation, the second part of verse 12 to the church of Philadelphia, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. You see, this is telling us that they are sealed with God's name. They have God's name on them. What is a seal? Well, a seal is a sign of ownership. In the days of John, I understand that some slaves would have the owner's mark visible on their forehead. A seal in the art world 
for example, an expensive painting would be would be required to carry a sign of authenticity. Authentication. Author, authentication. That would confirm it as being the genuine article. And a seal can also be a means of protection by denying unwanted access to those who would want to come and own it. That's why we have bank vaults sealed. Being on the forehead is symbolic of it being an integral part of the lives of a believer. In the context of the providential care that the Lord has for us as believers, we are carrying his name. We are servants of the living God. His sign of ownership is on us. It is the evidence that we are the genuine article bought with a price. We are those who he protects from all who would try to claim unwanted access to us. His protection is not always physical protection. Sometimes it is, but it's not always physical protection from the forces of evil. But it is always a protection that guarantees the safety of our salvation and our place with him in glory. This new covenant was fulfilled when Jesus died and rose again. And at conversion, the believer is sealed by the seal of God. The four horsemen have been given permission to now persecute the church where every believer is under God's protection. In the New Testament, the church is the church of the true Israel and the Gentile nations. Just one church. All who have put their trust in Jesus. You know, Satan is trying to disrupt the believers as he tries to deter people from the gospel. In his efforts to bring this about, he might take away lives, but he cannot take away salvation. God has already put his seal upon them. If the church was not meant to suffer persecution, why is it that the Lord spoke about the believers having to carry their cross? Why do all the New Testament writers tell the church that they would suffer persecution? Why do they constantly keep telling us that we must persevere? I want us just to think about these things this evening in the light of what we've read in these few verses from Revelation chapter 7. I want us to read from Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. Just think about these things. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. 
and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Good words for us to mull over as we look at this book of Revelation. I've just got a few more uh, words for us to finish with this evening. These words come from 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through to 21. These are to be an encouragement to us. For you know that it was not with perish, perish, <laughs> for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, and we know that sometimes it can be very confusing to us, but we pray that as we look at these things in the light of who you are, in the light of who we are, and in the light of that we are still part of your plan, which is still to be completed when the world will be judged. So our Father, just help us to understand these things. And as we do, help us to know that if we have you as our Saviour, then we are sealed by the name of God. And we have your protection. Our Father, we do thank you for that. And we thank you for that means that whatever happens to us in this life, we have that assurance that we will be with you in glory. And we come to you this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, just before I do go, let's take these words that Paul gave to the believers in Thessalonica. Take them with us this evening as we remember who we are and what we should do. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10 Wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. I think we can all say Amen to that.